Thank you, Lisa. Um, it's hard to believe that we are in last message in the book of Philippians. Uh, to me, it's been quick as time has passed. Uh, very emotional to me as I, I think about Paul as he shares his heart with the Philippian church. Um, of course, next week's Mother's Day, and after that, we're going to start a new series in the mornings on the life of Abraham living by faith. God says we're to live by faith, not by sight. And so I encourage you to, of course, to be a part of that and invite others uh, as we worship together. Let's uh, let's go ahead and turn. Philippians, here we are, the last couple of verses. I want to start at verse 19 and read through the end of chapter 4, verse 23. So I ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, here we are, Lord. Looking at you, Father, thank you for this grace-filled goodbye of the Apostle Paul. And I pray as we take some time, Lord, to look at his departure. And Father, just uh, speak to our hearts. Uh, we just continue to long for you. Uh, Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us through our singing and through our giving, through our praying. Uh, Father, even uh, in our fun. <laughs> Thank you for all of that. And, Father, don't leave us now as we continue. Just ask you speak to us, Father. Um, ask for your anointing. And ask, Father, that we might hear from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Being a Christian certainly does not exempt you from some tough times. I think of Jesus. and In John 16, he's telling his disciples, Guys, I'm about to leave you. And they can't grasp everything that's around the corner. And we too can't grasp everything that's around the corner that we might face. You come to the end of John 16 and he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And those are the, the hopeful words of the Lord. Sometimes it seems, though, when troubles come, the harder we try to fix it, the bigger the mess it becomes. You ever notice that? This is a true ad that was in the newspaper um, in a small town. Monday, for sale. R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Phone 555-0707 after 7 p.m. and asked for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him cheap. Well, I had to fix that one. So Tuesday, notice, we regret having aired in R.D. Jones' ad yesterday. It should have read, one sewing machine for sale. Cheap, 555-0707, and asked for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him after 7 p.m. Well, that wasn't good. So Wednesday, notice, R.D. Jones has informed us that he has received several annoying telephone calls because of the error we made in his classified ad yesterday. His ad stands corrected as follows. For sale, R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Cheap. Phone 555-0707 and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who loves with him. Mm -mm. Thursday. 
Notice, IRD Jones have no sewing machine for sale. I smashed it. Don't call 555-0707 as the telephone has been disconnected. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Kelly until yesterday she was my housekeeper, but she quit. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. As we look at this wonderful book, this letter to the Philippian church, it was not circumstances that were easy. Paul was in prison. Paul was suffering. And yet, as we look at this book that has 104 verses, 40 times we mention Jesus. And joy is found all throughout the letter. Not because of the circumstances, but because he's able to see that God is with him. That God has not forsaken him. And that he is loved. And it's just a a wonderful uh, letter that we've been able to look at. Chapter 1, he talks about there's joy in living. Chapter 2, he talks about joy in serving. Chapter 3, he talks about joy in sharing. And then we come to chapter 4, and he talks about joy that's found in resting in Him. And there's all kinds of verses throughout Philippians that we often use, that often pop up in sermons and pop up in Sunday school and just pop up in living for Christ. Chapter 1, you know, he starts out and he talks about... Um, Being confident of this, verse 6. He who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 21. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Then we come over to chapter 2. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, and humility. Um, Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only on interest, but also the interests of others. And then he goes on. He says, have this same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. This same attitude of Christ. And then it talks about how he emptied himself. It talks about how he was willing to come in human likeness. And to be found in appearance as a man. How he was willing to go to the cross. How he was willing to die for us. And that how God raised him up. And that he gave him the name above every name. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the glory of God. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And then you come to chapter 3. And the apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain from the resurrection of the dead. And then he says, hey, not that I've already obtained all this. Not that I have it all together. But I press hold to take care of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, hey, this is what I do. I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. That that heavenward calling. that, That prize that's in Christ Jesus Man, as as you go through the scriptures, there's so many wonderful truths. And and then he comes to uh, chapter 4, and we march down through there. But verse 7, he talks about the peace of God will guard your hearts. And and that's the idea of of a sentry that's a guard that's literally patrolling an area to keep it safe. Regardless of what Paul is facing, he says God's peace is my guard. He is my century. And so I just want to look at four words here that we have that sprinkled through this grace-filled goodbye that that I believe are powerful and worth looking at. Um, The first word that we notice here is glory. Again, 
verse 20, he says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Interestingly enough, the, the Greek word doxa, of course we get our word doxology, which would be the study of glory. You know, what an interesting thought. Uh, what are some truths that come out of that for glory? Uh, uh, first, it, brightness, splendor, radiance. In the Old Testament, it, it talked about the Shekinah, the, the glory of God. And, and I would think about Moses as, as he went up to the mountain and God etched out the Ten Commandments with his finger on these tablets. And then it says as Moses came back down to camp, his face glowed. Because spending time in the glory of God, some of that glory was now upon him. And then, where is that Shekinah glory given to us through the covenant of God, the New Testament, Jesus? Listen, this is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being Sustaining all things by his powerful word. It says after this, after um, the purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What a picture of, of radiance, of, of glory. And you know, as you look at Christ, uh, he is that Shekinah glory. He is that radiance. He is that exact representation of the Father. He is the King of kings. That, that's the next one. He is, he is the one who is of greatness. And, and then last, as it says here, the one who deserves the credit. He's the one who is at the right hand of the Father. He's the one who paid the price for the purification of sins. He, he's the one of glory. And as Paul says his goodbye, he says, hey, I want the glory. I want the credit. I want it all to go to Christ. That's what he's saying to that church. And then secondly, notice greet, greeting. Here, as he says in the scripture, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send your greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Hey, he's, he's talking about all those who love Christ, those who have the big bucks, those who can't seem to find a buck, but regardless, they all belong to him. And as he's, it's interesting here, he gives that little side note about all those in Caesar's household. What happened there? Here is a guy, he's sitting in prison, he's chained to a guard, and he's sharing that message of Christ. It's this, Man, you can't get away from Paul. It's that one-on-one time with the Apostle Paul sharing the gospel. And these people, they, they're leaving that prison and the gospel is moving throughout Caesar's household. There were slaves in the palace, those people in the palace, but there were also those people of prominence that were in the palace, those, those leaders. And we don't know exactly who, who this is speaking of when it talks about all in Caesar's household. We just know that the gospel was moving. Through this little guy that was chained up in a prison cell. Who could have been feeling sorry for himself. But instead he wrote this letter that kept talking about joy. I got this joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. That was Paul. That was Paul. As as he shared. There was one legend that said that uh, while Caesar was away. That uh, his wife became a believer. And then when he came back and found out that she had turned to Christ, he was so mad that 
That's when he said, I'm going to cut his head off. This is it. But God, regardless, God moved throughout the palace. He, he moved through that work. Now, third, don't you notice the grace? What a great verse here. <laughs> the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have said the law. But see, the problem with the law is it shows you that you're in trouble. When you see the law, you get a good look at how you botched it. You get a good look at yourself next to God. And that's humbling stuff. Because we've lied, we've stolen, we've disappointed others, we've been self-centered, we've hurt people around us. The simple fact of the matter is, we don't measure up next to God. It's not the way it works. Matter of fact, the Pharisees, those teachers of the law, they created 600 little laws that they could keep so they could say, well, I'm better than you. That's good enough. But they couldn't really get close to God because there was that awareness, no matter how close I try to get to God, it's not close enough. I don't measure up. But that's not what Paul says. He doesn't come back here and say, praise be to the law. Of Moses. No, that's not his message. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that he shares. It's the way of the cross that leads home. It's the scars of Jesus that make the difference because it reminds us of whose we are. Um, turn with me to Isaiah. 49, I got to thinking about those scars of Christ. The significance of the scars. You know, when Jesus returned, when he was resurrected, it would have been no problem to... He didn't need uh, plastic surgery. It would have been no problem to just take care of those wounds, those scars. But those scars have a meaning. Isaiah 49... um, And I want to uh, look at 14 through 16. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. These people were being ruled by an evil nation, an evil people. And they felt like they were forgotten. You ever felt that way? That God has forgotten you. That the mess you're in, he must be absent or you wouldn't be there. Verse 15, he says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she's born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. He says, this is a promise here. I will not forget you. Although you feel abandoned. Although you feel that, man, God's not thinking about you. God says it's not true. A mother should not forget about her baby. But sometimes it happens. But I will not forget you. And then notice this great next verse. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. 
You see those nail marks on the hands, the the nail marks. You're engraved. You're engraved upon our Savior. The cross, the purpose of the cross, the reason it was necessary was because sin had to be paid for. God was thinking about you. And God was thinking about me. And he engraved upon the palms of his hands. You. Through the cross. I want to read to you. This is a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. He says. I can conceive first. That the wounds of Christ in heaven. Will be a theme of eternal wonder to the angels. An old writer represents the angels as saying. Oh Lord of glory. What are these wounds in thy hand? They had seen him depart from heaven. And they had gone with him as far as they might go. Singing glory to God in the highest peace on earth. Some of them had watched him through his pilgrimage. For he was seen of angels. But when he returned. I doubt not that they crowded round him. Bowed before him in adoration. And then put the holy question. What are these wounds in thy hand? And for all of eternity, Jesus will say, they are the demonstration of my love for mankind. When we come to glory, when we bow before the throne, the scars will be there. It will be a constant reminder. He has not forgotten That's what it's about. That's the gospel. God has not forgotten you. God went to the cross. God took care of the issue. Grace. Not the law. Not our job of fulfilling the commands. But the cross. You can't get to God without God coming to us. Without God dying for us. As it says in Isaiah 53.3. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds were healed. And then, Paul, there's one last truth here. Um, It's the presence of the Lord Jesus, that pervading presence. In fact, he's always with us. Just marching down through chapter 4, verse (coughs) 1. Verse 1, he tells us to stand firm in the Lord. Verse 4, he tells us to rejoice in the Lord. Verse 6, he tells us don't be worrying, but pray. Verse 7, he says, and that peace of God will guard your hearts. Verse 9, as you practice the truth, there will be a peace given to you. Verse 13, you can do all things through his strength. Verse 19, he will give you the resources that are necessary to meet your needs. You see, wherever you are, whatever you face, however you serve Him, when you get that call that it's cancer, or or when you have that heart attack, or when something happens to that person you love, or when your world falls apart because of something you didn't ask for, He's there. He is there. He's not left you. He's there. He hasn't forgotten you. And the cross is the truth of that. 
You know, at, at uh, cemeteries, often at the time of burial, um, you hear the earth to earth, the ashes to ashes, the dust to dust, which comes from the Book of Common Prayer, often used. But have you ever thought at that time as the body's to be placed in the ground, it's holy ground. We think about Moses taking off his shoes in the burning bush and he says, you're on holy ground. You're on holy ground at a place of a funeral because it's a place where resurrection is going to occur. When you know Christ Jesus, you're not staying down. You're coming up at his call. When he calls, his presence takes us through this life and takes us to the other side of life, to where there's everlasting life. That will always be there. As Paul closes, I love it in the book of Galatians. You know, it says his eyesight wasn't too good. So he had these big letters. And so I could could just see the big letters and that original letter written. Where he writes to them. He tells them, guys, let everybody know I love them. Greet them all. Greet all the ones that have the bucks and those who long for a buck. Just greet all of them. Come in all sizes, and I love them all. And then those big letters where he says, It is the grace of the Lord Jesus, and He be with you, <laughs> with your spirit. Uh, as I close, I, I think about my own journey. I came to Christ as a teenager, and uh, I was coming back on a bus trip from camp. You guys that go to camp and been to camp. What a blessing. And it was at that time I gave my heart to Christ. And I began to grow uh, in Christ doing the things, you know, similar to what we do here. Wednesday night where youth, you learn about Christ as you have studies together, as you're together in different groups and you're doing those things. I, I, was, I, was, I was growing in that, but, but it, it wasn't just there. And I plead with all of you guys. It was I, when I went home. I, I wanted to study for myself. I wanted God to show Himself to me, to reveal Himself to me, to to show Himself to. And all these years, uh, and I've botched it quite a bit, but He's been with me. He has been faithful to me, and He has carried me through. I never, you know, when I sensed God's call upon my life, I thought. Well, what am I supposed to do with this, you know? And so I went to the pastor's wife of the church that I joined. And uh, I asked her, I said, uh, Mrs. Liner, I said, I, you know, I'm think, thinking maybe God's calling me into church work, vocational ministry. What's your advice? She said, if you can do anything else, do it. Isn't that strange advice? You thought they'd say, man, that's a great idea. Go for it. No, what she's really saying was go for God's call. Whatever that call is, you can do for the glory of God anything. You can work anywhere. You can serve Him in any occupation during any time because He's always with you. The main important thing is just follow the call. That's what it's about. Wherever that call leads because He's with you. And, you know, I'll never forget because finally I said, well, you know, I guess I need to go up for the church and tell them I really feel like God's calling me towards some kind of vocational ministry. And uh, I know I've told the story, but I came in front of the church, and I really didn't know. Came up there, said a word to the pastor, 
Well, he gets up there and he tells everybody, God's called Todd to preach. And I thought, no, that's not what Todd heard. And at the time, I loved my pastor, but I was nothing like him, man. He, he, well, I won't get into it. Anyway, we just weren't like. But he was right. God had called me to do this. And at the time, I didn't see it. But he, God was patient with me. And he took me along to help me see it. And that's what he'll do for all of us. Just follow him and he'll lead you. He'll guide you as you look for him. And as you love him. With his people. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we think of Paul, he might have been in a tough place, but he knew you were with him. Father, you know where we are. I pray this morning. Some may need to pray at this altar. Some may need to make a decision right where they are. Some may need to say yes to Jesus for the first time and say, enter my heart, forgive me, and then come and to be baptized here, Father. To say to other people that Jesus has saved me. He's raised me from um, a life without him to a life where he's always with me. I just pray, Father, that we would listen to your call this morning. Paul was all about your call. He was all about following your lead. And that's all I ask of us. Not to be something others might think is special, but to follow you. That's the call. He showed that, and through this book, it brought him joy. That's where joy comes from. It's following you, hearing your voice, learning to become acquainted with you. And Father, realizing that... uh, We're on your hands, Father. We're not forgotten. (laughs) That's what the cross put in concrete. Thank you for that as we stand and sing. Lead us, guide us to once again follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.